always a time to rejoice, isn't it? Such a good opportunity to lift up our voices and praise the Lord and just give Him thanks for every good thing that we have. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Luke chapter 2. And uh, like last week, we spoke about Herod miss Christmas. And today I want to talk about the religious leaders miss Christmas. Think with me, if you will. If Charles Dickens rewrote his classic, A Christmas Carol, if he wrote that today, I think the story would quite likely be much different. I think uh, Scrooge would not be the hard-driving slave master that hated Christmas, but I think more that he would have been a hard-driving Amazon CEO who loved Christmas because he would pad his pockets with all of the extra money that would be spent. He would do his consumer research and he would start advertising in October for all who needed his wares. And I also believe that he would hand out money, not for free, but for a bit of interest if you ran out of money. He would provide that for you. But let's think about the father of Tiny Tim. How might his life be different as well? I mean, there's poor Bob Cratchit, the man who knew all about Christmas and loved Christmas and just wanted to celebrate and rejoice. I think he would be the hard-working man working at Amazon. Long hours, poor conditions, overworked, underpaid. And then, when he would get off work, he would go home and there would be Mrs. Cratchit. And she would say something like this, Oh, Bob, dear, I've run out of wrapping paper. Can you run to the store and get some more wrapping paper? And Bob Cratchit would probably be so upset thinking of all the expense that he's already out and now he's got to go back to the store. Seething with anger, he leaves. Going back out into the hustle and the bustle and all that transpires during the Christmas holidays. And it's quite possible the greatest line that we have in Dickens' story would not be spoken by Scrooge, but by Bob Cratchit. You know what it is, don't you? Bah humbug. I mean, think about the whole mess over and over. Now, let's bring it to focus on us. Think about your Christmas schedule. All that you are doing, how busy you are going, 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 family get-togethers, office parties, Sunday school parties, cleaning, going, 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 until finally you are just done. And you want the madness to stop, but it doesn't stop. It just continues on. And that's kind of how we are, aren't we? We run, 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 run. And we miss Christmas. I mean, we get all the trappings of Christmas, don't we? 
How many have already gone shopping? Don't raise your hands. How many have already had parties? Don't raise your hands. I think somewhere the meaning of Christmas gets lost between the wrapping paper, the empty boxes, and the crumbs from Christmas dinner. And I think we might all be surprised that maybe we're more caught up in the trappings of Christmas than we are actually caught up in the meaning of Christmas. And it's so easy to forget and so easy to get so busy that we don't take time to really stop and worship and give honor and praise and glory to the one that we are celebrating. And I think we need to pause. You might be surprised to find this struggle for peace on earth is not new. It was at the first Christmas as well. Stand with me and let's read. You know, those that look for Christmas the most missed it. We're going to start reading in verse number 21, Luke 2. Now, or and, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of the purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, A sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phaeuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray today that we would not miss Christmas. And help us, Lord, to recognize the greatest gift that you could ever give was the gift of your Son. And I am so grateful, Father, that we can come and worship you in truth and spirit. And I ask for divine guidance and wisdom that you would open our eyes and our hearts that we might see with clarity. And I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful story. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, the temple was the busiest religious place in the world. 
I mean, go, go, go. They were so busy there in the temple. I mean, the sacrifices never stopped. The offerings continued on. They never ceased. And countless priests and singers and rule makers were continuing their work day after day and shift after shift. And it never stopped. It just continued on and on and on. And think about what was transpiring there in the temple. I mean, they were quoting the Torah. They were quoting the prophets. They were going through all the trappings, but they were looking for the Messiah. I mean, at the time that Christ came, the messianic concept of the coming of Christ, the Messiah, was at an all-time fever pitch. The expectation was the Messiah is coming. And there he was. But yet, not a religious leader acknowledged that. Not a religious leader made the trek a short five miles away to Bethlehem to see the star that had risen in the east and they failed to go. In fact, that entire week would pass in one more day and then Mary and Joseph would bring the baby Jesus into the temple, the place where everyone should have recognized this is Christmas, this is the season, this is our hope, this is the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. And somehow, some way, we missed it. And Jesus, with his mother, and Joseph come into the temple for that circumcision on the eighth day. And Jesus is brought, and, and there's so much commotion. Nobody recognizes he's the Messiah. Nobody realizes what's transpiring until two people, Simeon and Anna, an old man and a prophetess. And they had been waiting for the consolation of Israel and now before their very eyes they see the Christ child. They were overwhelmed with their discovery. They could not believe no one else could see this. And they had the best news to share and they began to share that news. Anna shared But that day Mary and Joseph walked out of the temple without any other acknowledgement. They missed Christmas. And you know, it's not so far-fetched to think that we get so caught up in the trappings of what goes on, even at church, because we get so many things that we too can miss Christmas in the very building that we come to worship, Christ of the Christmas season. And we just go on and on and on. And unfortunately, almost every religious leader missed Jesus' coming. Even at the cross, many missed that He was the Messiah. The idea that He would be born in Bethlehem, that He would come out of Nazareth, that He would come up out of Egypt, that He would live and He would minister for three years and then they would put Him to a cruel death on the cross and then He would be buried in a tomb and resurrected three days later and they still missed it. And here we are 2,000 years later and we wonder, how did they miss it? How did the religious leaders miss Christmas? How were they so busy? They could not see what was before their very eyes. Well, I think I know the answer. The routine of the temple. The routine of the temple was we never stopped. There was no such thing as a chair to sit in at the temple. 
Because it was just sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Next shift, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And I think this frightening truth is a revelation of where we are today because I think we're more like the religious leaders of the day than we are like Simeon and Anna. Looking, waiting, hoping, dreaming. Now, and the the sad thing is, For the next 33 years, the religious leaders would miss Christmas. They would never see the truth. I mean, think about it. They missed His teaching. They missed His miracles. They missed the crucifixion. They missed the resurrection. They missed the ascension. They missed it all. They were doing, they were so busy doing the work of God that they missed God's greatest work in history. They were just too busy. They had the scriptures. They knew the prophecies. They sang the songs. They kept the holidays. They did everything right. But they missed Christmas. You know, I think maybe we should spend more time in the temple. And what I mean by that, in the quiet corner of the temple, you had two people who managed to find Christmas. Simeon and Anna recognized that Jesus, ignored by the busy priest and the scribes and the Sadducees, but here was an old man and an old woman, and they found the Messiah. And the reason they found the Messiah is because they had been looking for the Messiah. Because often what we're looking for, we don't see. It's kind of like the forest and the trees. We're so caught up that we just simply missed it. Why do you think Simeon and Anna found Christmas. Number one, you have to wait for Christmas. You have to wait for Christmas. Think about it. Simeon and Anna had been waiting. They had been anticipating. They had been praying. They had been hoping. Simeon was very old and he clung to the promise that God had given him. You will not depart until your eyes behold the Messiah of the Lord. So he waited. Anna a prophetess, 84 years old, would not leave the temple day or night, and she waited and waited and waited. And while she was waiting, she was fasting and she was praying and she was looking and she was hoping. The contrast between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the Levites, and all of the others in the religious world at that time, and they missed what Simeon and Anna had longed for and hoped for and dreamed for, and right before their eyes, they saw the Messiah. You know, we get so busy, we don't rest, do we? We get so busy. You know, I said there was not a seed in the temple, but you know how that changed? And, And Jesus, when He came, He did away with the temple. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, here's what he did. He sat down at the right hand of God. That's what Christ did because the work was now finished. The cross was passed. The resurrection was passed. And now Jesus took his seat. I think it's conceivable that the modern church has been modeled more after the priestly approach to Christmas than the approach of Simeon and Anna, waiting, waiting, waiting. And I think the buzzword of Christmas is this, busy, don't you? Busy, busy, 
Everybody's so busy. We've got to go. I, I, I mean, how many, how many family members do you have to go to? Got to go to mom and dad's. Got to go to your mom and dad's. Got to. And then if there's, if, there's, if there's split families, we've got to go to four different Christmases, plus our own. And we just rush and rush and rush and rush. So I think we need to be quiet. And I think we need to pause. And I think that we need to be like Simeon and Anna. We need to be patient. Because you go out, you go to Branson. Anybody been to Branson this holiday season? Some have. Thank the Lord I haven't. But I mean, you go to Branson, what is there going to be? There's going to be shoppers that are pushing, traffic that's snarling, TVs are going to be blaring, and then we hear, when we get home, companies coming. With all the hurry, the noise, the stress, and the strain of Christmas, we get so caught up that we don't simplify Christmas and make it what it's truly about, the birth of Christ. And it's kind of like that 10 inches of snow that young kids hope for on Christmas Eve, possible but not likely because we're too busy and we miss Christmas. So how do we reconnect? How do we reconnect with Christmas and make Christmas what it's truly meant to be? Well, I've got a novel idea for you. Change your schedule. Change your schedule. Slow down. Be quiet. Read the Christmas story over and over. Read Matthews. Read Luke's. Go back and look at the prophecies in Micah, Isaiah, and other places. And, and reconnect with the true meaning of the coming of Christ. And embrace that. And then go to a barn on Christmas Eve. Take out your Bible with your family and read Luke 2 slowly. Smell the smells that Jesus and Mary and Joseph must have smelled that day. And then just be quiet and listen and wait and meditate on the true meaning that the Son of God came to earth to deliver us from our sins. The second thing I believe our story teaches us is this. You must trust that God will keep His promise. He said He would never leave us nor forsake us, didn't He? Therefore, we need to trust Him. Simeon and Anna, they had been waiting years. Years. But... They trusted the promise that God had given them. And God has promised that He will deliver His promises. So many face stress, they face anxiety, and all of these other things that are going on in our life because of the events of the season, and we just miss it all. But I think we need to set aside that time right now, maybe before you leave here, to say, I'm going to block off this time. And with this time... I'm going to meditate and I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to listen. Because remember God's voice came in a still small voice not the thundering and the lightning but a still small 
voice. Maybe this time of this, this year, maybe it's a season that you've lost a loved one. This is the first Christmas you're going through. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a military deployment, whatever. And, and it, it just seems like it doesn't have the meaning that it once had. Well, think about it in these terms. Think about that reconnecting with that family member one day, of seeing them afresh and anew and being in their presence. As I said, God promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And maybe you need to pray this prayer, God, would you give me that peace that passes all understanding because my heart is broken this year and I just need your presence. Would you help me through this? And then maybe, maybe it's just you need the greatest Christmas gift of all. And that's a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's time to come home to Him. Thirdly, we need to also be willing to proclaim what God has done. That's what Simeon and Anna did. They, they, they didn't hold it to themselves. They didn't say, oh, we're not going to tell anyone. They broke out into song and they broke out into rejoicing and they wanted everyone to know the Messiah has come. And, and think about it in verse 38. As soon as she saw the baby Jesus and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to how many? All those who look for redemption and truth. She didn't keep it to herself. She shared the real Christmas story, celebrating, worshiping together. This is the meaning of Christmas. Think about it, what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus came to earth, right? He left heaven. He was inside Mary's womb for nine months. He was born in a, in a dirty stable or a a barn or a cave. He lived his life for 30 years with no one really knowing who he was except maybe mom and dad. Maybe. And then for three years he had his public ministry and for half of that time it was a popularity contest and everyone wanted to be around Jesus. And then the rug was pulled out from underneath him and nobody wanted to be around Jesus. They all turned their backs on him. In fact, in the very garden of Gethsemane, they, the disciples themselves, those, his closest adversary, our closest friends, became like fearful men like we are today to hang out with Jesus, to take the time to say, He is my Lord. And He came to redeem us, to give us the gift of life and hope, and a future. And I think maybe we just need to stop and say, thank you. Hey, I've got a question. When's the last time you sent a thank you note? Don't you like to get a thank you note? Yeah. Maybe we need to give a thank you note to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. For apart from you, I would not have real life. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for all that you've done. I think a word of thanks is appropriate. And it, I read of this lady this week. 
Her name is Stella Thornhope, and she was struggling. Her husband had passed away three months before Christmas with cancer. And she was devastated. She decided she wasn't going to decorate for Christmas. I mean, a brutal weather system had come in and snowed her in, and she just said, I'm not going to do anything and just get through the holiday. But then there was a knock on her door. And she went to the door, and there was a delivery boy there. And he said, Miss Thornhope? She said, yes. He said, would you sign here? And he thrust the paper, and she signed it. And he had this box. And she said, what's in the box? And he opened the top of it. And there, in that little box, was a golden Labrador retriever. And she said, who sent this? And then he handed her the letter. He said, this will answer your question. She opened the letter. It was from her husband. Three weeks before he passed away, he'd gone to the kennel. He'd written the letter, told it to be delivered. It's his last Christmas gift to his wife. She looked at the little puppy and brought the little puppy up into her arms. And she said, it's just the two of us. But how about we decorate for Christmas this year? You know, God has a way of sending a signal of light to us when we're at our darkest times to remind us that life is stronger than death. And also that light is more powerful than darkness. And also that God is more powerful than Satan and that God will overcome evil. In fact, we have this promise. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. And you know what that light is, don't you? That's the light of the world. So, don't miss Christmas this year. Celebrate the birth of God's Son. Do it if you have family with your family. If you do not, get alone and make Christmas special this year. Let's pray. Father, I just pray today for your will. I thank you, Lord, for the examples that you give us with Simeon and Anna. I thank you, Father, for the truth of Christmas. And Lord, I just ask that we truly celebrate Christmas this year in the spirit in which it's to be celebrated. And that we would pray for peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And we would pray that knees would bow and every eye would see who you truly are. 